Holy guacamole, what a time to be living and breathing in this world that we call the box. I don't know. I got I got ran out of steam there. Uh, welcome back to the uh, Cody. Start off so well in a, yeah, in a big way like that just, intro felt re- just like a CrossFit workout. Like, well, then with the interest, you start playing a game with some now. pipe or something, and then suddenly you're doing burpees over a bar. Let's talk about for a second though no. how polarizing guacamole actually is. Yeah. Oh, like what goes into that stuff, or just in general? No, 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 no. Just generally. For like, a second there, I was a kid watching um, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles again. That's what they say, holy guacamole. Oh. So you uh, you pull out guacamole at a party and instantly you divide the room. Mm. I just don't understand why it calls out such a visceral reaction. I'm not a guac fan. From see, there it is. Did you see that? Really? Is it, is it a texture thing? A little bit. Yeah. Yeah. That's what it know. used to be for me. Something about it just doesn't sit well. I don't know. I, I go ahead. I believe it's because most people have not had good. Guacamole. They have not had Bobaloo yet. Yeah. Bobaloo is what. Bobaloo guacamole is on a whole nother level. It's so good. And yeah. like, you can try to replicate it, it's never the same. Mm-mm. It's so good. I don't know. I'm a little concerned about um, sharing a meal with these guys, but would it be cool after we record an episode to go grab some guacamole at Bobaloo? Because. Yeah, whatever. Wow. I don't need an excuse to go to Bobaloo. <laughs> <laughs> the, the real question is if you have the choice, do you eat the guacamole dip or the queso dip? Mm. Well, I think this is a not a difficult question, although it could be because you can get quality queso. I mean, queso is like, yeah, it's good. This is a good one, but the guacamole there is like signature. So I think if I'm there, that's where that's where I'm gonna lean. Bobaloo paying for a sponsorship. <laughs> <laughs> the what just happened is you take the queso and you dip it in the guacamole, and then you eat the chip. Next level. Turning pro. See, see previous episode. <laughs> mind blown. <laughs> All right, so here's check out this segue. Speaking of mind blowing things, oh, we've Chase we've, got married. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We should celebrate. We that. need to talk about that for a second. Yeah. Well, we didn't have time to meet who we got married to. It was so such a fast yeah. thing. So we'll, between not true, not episode true. shootings, Chase got engaged, married, and went on a honeymoon. And went on a honeymoon <laughs> to Europe. Yeah. Like long flights. Apparently there was a time cap on his huge life transition. He had to be like, we have to, inside of 13 days. She, she started to express like a little disinterest and I was like, all right, ring. <laughs> Classic strategy. We'll lock you in. Cover you with guilt and shame for Stuck leaving. now. Yeah, yeah, stuck now. Yeah, I did get married. Yeah, so congratulations on that, by Thanks, the way. Thanks, man. Really cool ceremony too. It was out, as, uh, out of his family land. Yeah, just, you did it. Yeah, it's very, very cool. <laughs> Um, and it, you know, started to rain. It was beautiful. Yeah, that sounds like sarcasm, but no. Yeah, I know. I know we both appreciate that sort of weather. Yeah, I don't know. It's a, it's yeah, a we've cool gotten time. some of the pictures back. Let me tell you, I typically, I guess, rain is kind of like you don't want it. But those pictures look moody. Yeah, they're nuts. They're so good. Anyway, sorry. Get is that what up. you want your wedding to look like, Moody? Yeah, it's so it's, cool. It's, <laughs> I get tired of looking at happy-go-lucky pictures all the time. Which, they're great. It's just like you see them all the time. You know what pisses me off? Happy wedding pictures. <laughs> <laughs> Why, Why are they so happy? <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, there's just a different kind of a different confidence in Chase's voice now. He's, uh, he's married and uh, entered into that realm of living. Yeah. So, I feel like you were going to bring up something else, though. Um, about being married? No, uh, like Hunter diverted this into. I think he's going to bring up our, our our episode topic. Our topic for the day. Yeah, we should probably get to that. Yeah, at some point. But yeah. I, mean, I mean, it's our it's our podcast. Do. We do well, what we want. There's this 
this huge news that has kind of rocked the CrossFit world. And I, I feel like though we need to put that we knew something was afoot. There were there were did you raise your I hand? I didn't raise Thank my you. hand. I do acknowledge that. <laughs> <laughs> Since we're on radio. I do have Chase a, raised his hand. <laughs> I do have a question. When did don't say the what they said yet. Yes. In case people haven't heard yet, but when did they let the announcement out? Uh, it's been a number of weeks ago. They leaked it. They hadn't even made an official announcement yet. Yeah, they, yeah. There was a uh, so they they just published a, a interview with Glassman like on Beyond the Whiteboard. Was it or is it what is it? It was the morning chalk. Morning up. chalk up. Yeah, and uh, they're like, oh yeah, we're changing regionals or we're getting rid of regionals. We're changing the qualify qualification process. And then everybody just like freaked out, like, "Whoa, hold up, what? No, what's going on?" Like, by the way, Mike what, drop. What did he just say? Yeah. First, it started when they they fired like half of the CrossFit Games media crew or whatever, and then so everybody was like rumblings there might be some changes to regionals, blah blah blah. And then they released that interview, so then everybody really started freaking out. And then Glassman went on a podcast and kind of detailed it a little bit more, and so everybody's kind of getting a little bit more of a feel like hey this isn't a drill like they actually are doing away with regionals and so we still aren't really sure what it all is going to look like but what we are sure of is going to be completely different there's not regionals anymore the qualification process for the games is completely different and what is that going to look like for the future of the sport of fitness so what do we think uh it's big announcement i mean even the way we're talking about it here i mean Regionals, you've kind of graduated up to this system where you've got regionals and it's just part of the annual rhythm and the people who this matters most to are dependent on their training schedule, including that. I mean, they're very smart about it. And then it all changes. I mean, what is, what's the impetus for this change? I mean, does it go, can we trace it all back to the Metcon? We're not selling as many nanos. I mean, what, what is this really, (laughs) what is this really about? Like, why would you make this very dramatic shift? Is it just because CrossFit loves to do this sort of thing? Expect the unexpected. What are our opinions here? I think it's I think it's twofold. I think it comes down to uh, you know Glassman wanting to um, you know, to to make the shift back towards what CrossFit was originally intended for, and that was uh, you know promoting uh, promoting the health aspect. And uh, you know you know uh, he feels like you know, yeah, all these people are going to the games, but at the same time there are more there are more CrossFit gyms out there. Who have had people, uh, or th- there have been more people lose a hundred pounds in a CrossFit gym than there have been people make it uh, make it to the games, mm-hmm. and that's the kind of focus that he's wanting to shift. And it's and uh, so the other half of that is is you know if you want to shift the focus over there, you got to kind of reallocate your resources. And um, so he started pointing out facts of like uh, you know having to rent out these enormous venues, these really like lavish places to host regionals and things like that. And um, they're just not getting a lot of return on it uh, financially. Like he, he talked about uh, for the Latin American regional, they had to they rented out uh, one of the uh, one of the venues that they use for the for the Rio Olympics, and it cost them like like right at a million dollars to rent it out. And there was a trucker strike, so they couldn't even get the equipment down there. And they only sent two people to the uh, to the games from that region. So it was like all of this money to send these two people to uh, to the games to so that they could finish in the bottom third. <laughs> yeah, I'm a little more cynical on the reasoning behind all this. I definitely think it's money driven. Um, I also think it's ego driven. 
Uh, I think that Glassman, you know, he founded CrossFit, and as it's grown, you know, he's accumulated more and more money, but he's kind of, like, taken a back seat as far as media attention and all that type of stuff, and Dave Castro has almost became the face of CrossFit just because he's the one putting on all the, you know, events, all the CrossFit games or whatever, and I, I, I agree with the, the thought that, hey, let's get back to CrossFit is for health. and But it seems like every time Glassman talks about competition, he's very condescending towards it. And I've, I've picked up on that for the last couple of years. And it seems like he almost feels like the, the competition is um, taken away from what he's done. And it, it, he's not in charge of it. So he's going to take, take the reins back. And the whole nature that he went about it, like, going around behind everybody's back and putting an interview out and not telling anybody about what was going on. And when the interview comes out, like nobody at, H- or at HQ knows anything about what's going on. It's like, hey, I'm the one in charge here. I'm the one calling the shots. Nobody else matters. And then when he talks about Castro, he's very condescending about him as well. And so I feel like, um, first off, the biggest thing to me that stood out in that whole interview was when he said that the Latin American regional cost me a million dollars. The fact that he referred to it as me yeah. says everything you need to know about him and what he's thinking. This is my company. I'm calling the shots. I, I put Castro in charge and it cost me a million dollars instead of saying we. You know, yeah, it is your company, but there's a, it. your decisions affect a whole lot more people than yourself. And I do agree there needs to be a shift in focus um, towards the health aspect of CrossFit because that's what it ultimately is for. But there can be both sides. I mean, the sport of fitness is different than what goes on in, in the community, and you can have both. You don't have to cut off, you know, the whole CrossFit Games arm just to feed this other arm. It's it's not losing money. It's making money. It, it might not be make as much, as much money as you want to, but it's still making money. And then in one breath to say the games aren't important, but then at the same time say we're going to use the games to grow CrossFit everywhere else, that's kind of contradictory. You know, and so I feel like he's using this as a way to make more money um, and as a way to regain his um, status, whatever the case may be, in the CrossFit community and say and reassert his dominance. And like I said, I'm a lot more cynical to it. You know, I just that's kind of my my feel on just the interviews and. And if you listen to the interviews that Glassman's been doing lately, he's gotten very, um, I don't know, um, very raw, very um, not as polished as he used to be when he talked, you know. And it's and, and it and it, it's almost off-putting some some of the stuff that he says. To where if you go back to originally like 100 Words of Fitness and the articles that he was writing, it was very elegantly put, and it's almost gotten to more coming more of a place of arrogance now than it used to be of hey I want to help all these people. Yeah, it's definitely it's definitely strange and um you know just the way the way that he went about letting everybody know was you know could not have been a worse way to do it and you know if if what he said I mean I'll go with you on that Hunter if what he says is true if like if this is the real reason you want to shift uh you know shift the focus over to health well, there's a, there's a lot of ways that you can do that where you don't have to just pull the pin and throw a grenade on the whole thing. Yeah. You know? So, uh, and and what I want to know, like the first thing that I, that, that came into my mind 
when uh, when I hear all this is like uh, you know we want to uh, do more for the uh, for the affiliates and uh, and all that. The first thing that I want to know is like okay, well what does that mean? All right, you know, you're gonna you're gonna waive our, our affiliation dues? Are you going to uh, pay for us to be able to go uh, to go get new certifications and stuff like that? You know what does that mean exactly? Yeah, I, I agree with that. Like. Um, and there's been a lot of debate with the affiliate owners, you know, it's been very polarizing. Some people coming out and saying I'm done with CrossFit and some of the stuff he's saying that are, is really throwing the medical community under the bus and really attacking doctors. And a lot of doctors are saying, Hey man, you know, I'm not, I'm not about this anymore. Um, but I just, I just feel like it's, it's like you said, it, the way it all came about, the way it's taking, it's unfolding is very odd, very strange. And it almost feels like there's there's a lot more going on under the surface than they're letting on. All right, so you, Hunter, you're bringing up a very interesting dynamic here because these this interpersonal stuff going on. Usually, when a guy comes across as angry or unprepared or going outside of the system, usually that guy feels marginalized and he's trying to gobble up, get some power, some power back. But I mean, really, looking at it from the outside, we have we obviously have no money tied up in this. Uh, we don't know these guys at all, just we experience their public lives. But I think you can make a very strong case that without Castro, Glassman wouldn't be where he is. I mean, obviously he, has a, he had a great idea. We're not, I'm not trying to take any kind of credit away from him, but every great movement needs a pretty polarizing public face. I mean, Castro's that guy. You love to hate him or you hate to love him. I mean, that's how it goes with him. And he does, he is kind of this uh, games mastermind. I don't think they've created that. Uh, just to give him some sort of place inside the company. Uh, he, he is the guy that thinks on that global scale about competitions and all that all that sort of stuff. And look, let's be honest about this. Competition is all at the heart of CrossFit. Yeah. Come on. I mean, you're either competing against people you're in the box with or yourself, depending on how healthy you are and how healthy you view it. So even, um, even before there were CrossFit games, one thing that Glass needs to always say is that people will die for points. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it, it's interesting to point out maybe some of the reasons why we are where we are, and I guess we're, we're just going to have to guess at all that stuff, but I think we have some pretty clear indicators. The difference that it's making, though, for people who really are invested in the competition side of CrossFit, people who are really invested at the affiliate level, like you guys that are owners and paying into the system, I mean, what, what's coming out in this episode right now is that these sort of things are, you're messing around with people's lives here. I agree. I agree with that, and that was the most disappointing thing to me at all is how he was being so condescending towards towards the competition side of thing things when it's to the point now where it's way, the way a lot of people make a living. You know, there's a lot of businesses that have been started for this sport. You know, there's you know that's like saying the NFL is like this. I mean, it's no big deal. You know, football, uh, soccer is no big deal. You know, baseball is no big deal. Well, it's a big deal to a lot of people, and maybe yeah, maybe it's not keeping people from. Um, you know, having heart attack at an earlier age, but you know that doesn't mean it's not important. And so to come out and say, uh, this, you know, just be so condescending towards it. Uh, I remember he said something last year. He's like, "Yeah, I don't, I'm not." He he was talking about the CrossFit Games. He was like, "Yeah, I'm not here. I don't really care to watch the thruster races." You know, and and you could kind of tell he was he was feeling some resentment towards the whole CrossFit Games as a whole. And I've got I don't have time to go watch them compete. Um, I, you know, I've got more important things to do. Start, he was, he's been saying stuff like that for a couple years now. And so it's like, there's a lot of people who 
and athletes who have invested years and years to, to qualify for this and to say, oh, what you've done is not important at all because you're not helping somebody lose 100 pounds. It's, it, that doesn't mean it's not important. You know, there, there's a place for both. And so it's just disappointing for him to take that stance. And I think he's the only one that's taking that stance. Obviously, there's a lot of other people that are invested. But I think at the end of the day, this is not going to come down to one person's decision um, the sport of fitness is too big at this point to go anywhere. Whether CrossFit the CrossFit Games continues to be the avenue that people pursue or something else comes along, it's going to continue to grow because there's just too many people invested in it at this point for it to go away. So, you know, there's a lot of panic. The regionals is going away. All right, it's just changing. Um, you know, and I think we can talk a bit more on what the future is going to get to, but that was the biggest thought that I took out of all of this was it was just disappointing to see um, something that's so important to so many people be be portrayed as being marginalized and as not important as a waste of time and I think he referred to it as like the the clowns at the circus in the parking lot or something like that yeah um, the uh, it's it's not it's not going it's not going anywhere like I mean a lot of a lot of people were freaking out and you know the, the the community the community is is too strong and uh, and the methodology is too effective. You know the yeah like and you know for people for people to to come out and say stuff like oh I'm done with CrossFit and this and that like well it the it didn't it wasn't effective because there was the games. You know you got you got into it because you enjoy training this way and it's a and it's a very effective way to reach your to reach your health goals. Yeah. And um so I think. I think that there was a lot of overreaction on both sides of the aisle, and uh, I, I could I could see something like that happening where like you know maybe CrossFit Cro the CrossFit Games becomes its own entity where it becomes like the CrossFit Games Incorporated or something yeah. like that where it takes on its own new sponsors and things like I, that. I think that's what they should have done. Like, look, all right, just separate them, do yeah. two separate things. You know, they're they're you know we all know that the sport of fitness is different than CrossFit as a health. Um, pursuit and so just separate them do CrossFit games and then do CrossFit health and you can do both I mean I don't understand why you can't you know put Castro in charge of CrossFit games incorporated or whatever um, so I agree with that but you know what I think you know it is going to do is first off you know everybody's freaking out you know because a lot of people their goal was to qualify for regionals and it's really hard to qualify for regionals and a lot of people wanted to compete there and now all these people who were close or on the ball we've been working at it for a couple of years now they don't have their regionals to qualify anymore and it's just makes it harder to qualify for the games especially if you live in a, a place like the US or you know uh, Australia or one of the bigger countries that have the Iceland that has a lot of competitors but what it does do is now you know you're turning Wadapalooza, Dubai, all these things into basically regional competitions those are the ones that are Going to, the, the competition is going to be a lot bigger now, and it's going to, there's going to be a lot more eyes on it, and so it's going to be a lot bigger spectacle. I'm sure there'll be CrossFit news stories on it and you know following all that type of stuff. So there'll be regionals going on for six months, and I'll be interested to see how that plays out. Yeah. Um, but it, you know, so if you're a, uh, a person who wants to qualify for, if, who is trying to qualify for regionals, now you might be able to qualify for three regionals in a year instead of one. It is going to be more of a financial investment because you're going to have to travel more. I don't know how the qualification process is going to go, so maybe you have to take 
do like four or five qualifiers in a year, which is going to suck. Um, that's going to be a lot more qualifier workouts, or I don't know if they'll use the open as their qualifier um, or how that's going to play out. And then another aspect is you can go team for one competition. You can go individual for another competition. So you don't have to pick one or the other. You can do both. And then they also said for the teams that you don't have to be from the same gym. So you can team up with somebody from Mississippi can team up for somebody in Australia and put a team together for a competition. And you can have different teams at different competitions. So I think ultimately it's going to create more avenues to compete at bigger competitions for people once the dust settles. Yeah. Um, and then also I think it's going to make local competitions bigger because the Open all of a sudden is not that big a deal anymore. You know, they, you, they don't even have the team aspect of the Open anymore. Uh, and only the top people in each country qualify for the game, so it's almost like, what's the point of doing the Open? So if you are competing, if you are training for CrossFit to compete and you enjoy that, now it's like, well, I need to compete at some of these local competitions. So some of the local competitions will get bigger. These regional competitions, will, like Wadapalooza and stuff, will get even bigger with more people trying to qualify for them. Um, and so I think it's just going to raise the the level of competition up and I wouldn't be surprised if a competitor comes along soon you know if Nike doesn't get involved and do something yeah the uh, to kind of play off of that the really cool thing about it is that now that you've made the barrier to entry so much more difficult you um you're gonna be you're gonna be in a situation now where instead of like you know bear complex grips throwing out uh two hundred dollars a month and a free pair of a uh, three pair of gymnastics grips to everybody who was like you know, top 150 in the region, you know, now you'll have more money going to fewer athletes. You'll professionalize yeah. to, a, um, to a higher extent, a lot more athletes. So now instead of, instead of these, uh, these guys that were having to, you know, maybe, uh, do appearances or maybe work part-time jobs or something like that, they can now train full-time, have a team of coaches around them. Um, I mean, it could, the potential is there for it to really, like you said, elevate the level of competition. And, um, I, and I think, uh, if the, um, if these, if these, uh, these sanctioned competitions are smart, what I would do is not jump so fast into having my own qualification, but you do what other, what, uh, what other major competitions do. And you can look at, you have rankings kind of like, um, kind of like golf and tennis, where you can say, okay, we're sending out, uh, we're sending out invitations to uh, to these uh, to these hundred people, okay. And if some of them are are uh, are already committed to other things, or they or they decide not to go to that competition, you just send it to the next person under. That's a that's a really good idea. I would love to see something like that where it's a ranking process based off competitions you do on a rolling basis. Yeah. That way it puts way less emph emphasis on like one specific workout. That was the big downfall with the Open, and we talked about that at extent on the previous podcast. But, you know, one workout can make or break you. If you are if you do poor, you know, a few reps in one workout can keep you from qualifying for regionals. And the more data points you have, the more uh, accurate the test is going to be to picking the, the fittest people. And that way you can determine who's going to get the invites and stuff. So that's a really good idea, and, and I, I agree with you 100%. I think it's just going to professionalize the sport. It's going to make you know the top-level athletes um, 
be professional. They'll have sponsors. There's going to be more publicity throughout the year, so sponsors will be willing to spend more money on these athletes because they're going to be showing up at competitions throughout the year instead of just the games. They can wear their – another thing is they can wear their – Nike gear at Wadapalooza and all this type of stuff. Mm-hmm. There's so now Nike's like, hey, I can spend more money on this because at the none of my athletes could wear Nike at the games before because they had to wear Reebok. Well, now I can they can go to all these competitions and I get somebody like Ben Smith who's going to go to four of them and he can wear Nike to all four of them. I'm going to spend a lot more money on him because he's going to get a lot more exposure. So I think it's going to professionalize the sport. It could be the turning pro moment like the the book yeah. we read last episode for for the sport. And it's just going to be growing. And I don't think those were intentional changes that are going to that they that CrossFit was trying to make. But I think that's what's going to be the result of the changes. The people that you don't see freaking out about all this are the top level people, the top level athletes, and top level coaches. Yeah. They're going to keep doing what they're doing. They'll they'll adapt. Yeah, and they'll and, figure it out. And what you're seeing is the people who are trying to get to the top level. If they're doing it for the wrong reasons, all of a sudden they're dropping out because yep. it's like they were doing it for the end goal they weren't doing it for the process if you're doing it for the process to see as good as how good you can get nothing changes you're you just keep doing what you're doing and that's what we talked about with our athletes here like hey guys you know everything's changed we don't really know what's going to happen but just keep doing what you do keep trying to get better keep coming in day after day and pushing yourself nothing changes with that aspect just because the end goal or the end result might change or what you're working for might change that doesn't mean it's going to affect you. But if your only reason for competing was to qualify for the CrossFit Games and you hated training day after day, there's it's it, you're you're not going to want to do it anymore. Yeah, it's it's the difference um, between you know, like like I said in the last episode, uh, having uh, having motivation and having principle. Yeah. Yeah. You know, if um, uh, whenever whenever I get somebody new into the gym, I really try to reinforce that to them that you know that uh, this is you know um making change is a difficult process and if you are just relying on you know surface level motivation you're not going you're not going to last and you're not going to stick with it you really have to search within yourself and find out you know what is the the real deep down root reason that you're doing what you're doing exactly and that's just going to make people come to that conclusion you'll probably see a bunch of mid-level competitors fall off and you'll see the top level people continue to compete and then you'll probably see a lot more local competitions come up because more people are looking for an avenue to compete outside of the open. The Coyote Classic, for instance. There you go. Yeah, Coyote Classic. Check us out, 2019 June. Uh, <laughs> and then uh, I think I'm excited, really, if, to see, because now we have 16 different qualifier events that we get to follow throughout the year. So that's like six months of watching a, a event like you got Waterpalooza one weekend you got Dubai another weekend it just makes the CrossFit season longer and as a fan of the sport and as a spectator I'm like man I can, I can watch CrossFit uh, you know a lot more oh, yeah. throughout the year yeah. and then the games are, are just at the end of that but we'll have CrossFit all throughout the year as opposed to regionals three weekends out of the year and, and the games one weekend out of the year and all the regional events are the same well now well it'll be interesting to see who's doing the programming for these events and um, all that type of stuff and, and how the different events play out and who shows up to which ones and that'll be that'll be really fun to see but I, I, I think it's going to be good for the sport in the long run once the dust settles and they get past this weird awkward in between year uh, and they move the open to October and then from November to June you have all the qualifications it'll be fun and uh, and like like we said if if you're competing, 
and your sole reason was the end result, then this is going to make you not want to do it anymore, which is fine. You weren't doing it for the right reasons anyways. And if you're doing it just to see, to make yourself the best you could be and enjoying the process, keep doing what you're doing. And you know, you'll, you'll be able to express that, um, in who knows a lot of different ways, but it's not about the end result. It's about the journey and the process and becoming the best version of yourself. And so I think that's what it's going to support in, in the athletes. Yeah, it's interesting that what we're pointing out is in a strange way, the guys at HQ or some of them, whoever's in charge of all of this, uh, had distanced themselves from the affiliates because what you guys are describing is how we how we operate, so how most healthy affiliates operate. You've got people that participate in the open because they just like the challenge, and then you've got probably a segment of your box that's super serious about their training and it's trying to take it to that next level. And those groups of people coexist every day inside of the typical healthy affiliate and everybody's for each other. Let's just take this one example, this one hypothetical. If uh, Reebok, if CrossFit said, you know what, we're doing away with the open. I would guarantee you that 95 plus percent of affiliates would manufacture annually their own sort of open experience. It's just ingrained inside the culture, you know? So. What we're really pointing out here, and this is pretty fascinating that we can point the finger, but I think we're exactly right here, is that we have been saying on this podcast for months that CrossFit was in a season, an opportunity for growth to change their approach. And probably, most likely we're saying today, because of some sort of infighting, they've missed that opportunity and the market is going to move in. The free market is going to move in and compensate for Reebok missing out opportunity. So if you back up without getting a lot of emotions involved, people just don't like change. But what the, what Reebok has done through missing the window has provided opportunities for other organizations that are connected to the sport to make a great deal of money, to provide more environments for spectators to get involved, and for these athletes who have been kind of, what we've been saying, laboring along in a bad system where they should be treating more like professionals than they have been. Now they have the opportunity to be able to do that. So what we're what we're kind of proposing here in this episode is everybody needs to back up, stop your complaining, and figure out, like you say, Hunter, the dust is going to settle, all this stuff is going to shake out, and the people who are on the track, let's talk about real athletes who are at regionals this year and say, man, I really want to make sure I change these things by regionals next year. All that stuff, all that motivation for your hard work isn't going to be lost. You're just going to have more opportunities for that hard work to pay off. That's right. If you have the money to get to get to these games. Yeah, and I think you'll start seeing the sponsors start chipping in with that type of stuff. And I know like Dubai, they, they give money to every single qualifier to help them get over to Dubai. And I think you'll start seeing uh, sponsors say, hey, congrats. You know, they'll probably watch all of the, the, the qualifiers and – I guarantee Nike or somebody will come in and every single qualifier, hey, congratulations for qualifying. We'll pay for all your travel expenses if you just wear our shirts while you're there. Um, I guarantee you'll start seeing stuff like that. So I don't think getting there will be an issue. But, yeah, it's going to professionalize the sport, and it's going to be okay. that and and that's just that's, that's along the shore, yeah. yeah, yeah with all the emotion, shore, yeah, yeah, with all the emotion involved, that's how it's going to play out. Yeah, and, and at the end of the day, if there's anything that we know about the CrossFit community, it's a very resilient community, and people have. Uh, it is a community that has stepped up and adapted to change time and time again. Even if, even if Glassman decides, you know, tomorrow to say, you know what, I'm shutting down CrossFit HQ. There's going to be no more 
quote CrossFit anymore. That you know, it's not even going to be a company. You're still going to have gyms all over the place that are doing thrusters and pull-ups and burpees. Right. It's not going to go anywhere, regardless of what you call it. People, I mean, people. It's a. It has been a revolution for a reason. It's not. It, it, there's a reason that it was different from P90X and Insanity, and the, the re, a reason that it has stood the test of time. That it just keeps continuing to grow. Constantly very functional movement, high yeah. intensity is the best way to, to reach your goals, and that's never going to change. Like, you can call it whatever you want to. Yeah. People, like, people have asked me, like, uh, have asked me for it's like, you don't think it's just a, it's just a fad that's gonna that's gonna go away at some point. Not as long as exercising is around. Yeah. <laughs> I love your totally condescending answers to those questions. Yeah. Well, is it is it ever going to stop being important to be able to fall down and stand back up again? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So when, I think we need to give credit where credit is due. That that language that you're using constantly very that is Glassman language. So uh, you know we're not trying to throw this guy under the bus. No. The the, the stuff that he was able to mentally ascend to and the stuff he was able to see and systematize beautiful what he's done but as with anything as it grows and money gets well, involved one, one of the things I saw on a post was somebody was like calling him out and saying they are doing CrossFit and like you didn't invent uh, intervals and functional movement all that type of stuff but no he didn't but you know what he did he, he put, put it, it all together and he created something that revolutionized the fitness industry before he, CrossFit people were doing back and buys on Monday chest and trials on Tuesday and running on the treadmill for 20 minutes and nobody was fit and all of a sudden he, he put a timer on it and he created something that was sustainable for a long period of time that kept people coming yeah. back. And we've been doing it for eight years now, and we'll continue to do it for the rest of our lives. And we're in better shape now than we ever were doing yeah, other man. stuff in the That's gym. Right. And so you can you can try to say, oh, you didn't do all this stuff, but you know what? It, it's a simple, uh, simple, elegant solution to a uh, what does he say? A, a, ve- a, a, a vexing complex. a vexing problem. Yeah. And that's what he came up with. And and sometimes that revolutionizes things and he revolutionized the industry of fitness and you can argue that with us till you're blue in the teeth but the fact of the matter is gyms look completely different now than they did 10 years ago and you can't argue that and so yeah props to the man he he go back and read some of the stuff he wrote back in 2001 it's incredible it's, it's still it still applies every time every yeah. time you re- every time you read his original what is fitness i mean yeah. it still applies it's still groundbreaking he took he took fitness and gave it a an objective definition. He made it something that is that is a observable, measurable, and repeatable. Yep. Mm-hmm. And yep. the nutrition people always go around nutrition, and, and, and his nutrition advice still t- stands the test of time, and it still always will. But I think when you start getting millions and millions of dollars involved, and lots of people involved, and egos involved, it's, it, there's no way it's not going to change you. It changes everybody. And I think that maybe he's gotten caught up in the money or the ego or whatever the case may be, and and it's kind of changing his perception or whatever. But I will say the the idea of the CrossFit health thing pushing, you know, we're gonna fight chronic disease. You know, maybe I don't agree with all his methods, but I do agree with the message that America is broken. The healthcare system, you know, what the health, just the health of of America is broken. Maybe not. I don't know. I don't know the That's symptoms. True. I don't know why it is, but something's got to be fixed when every single year people are getting sicker and sicker and, the, and getting more and more obese. Something's got to be done to change it. For the first time in the history of the world, obesity is a bigger problem than mass starvation. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, man. That guy, you know, he's the driving force behind taking on soda and, you know, the big big industries like that that are just yeah. milking the system and not having to pay, pay for any of it. So, 
Yeah, I don't. <clears throat> I don't think that wrapping up this portion of the episode, we're out to pick on the man, but it's just, just certainly a, a missed opportunity. But it's yeah. all, it's, it's all going to shake out. Things are going to level out. And It'll all be okay. Yeah, it's all, it's all going to be okay. And I think what's most important to communicate to both parts of the audience, the people who are just all about competition, want to make it their life, then you're still going to have opportunities and lanes to do that. And for people who are just completely married to their local affiliate because it's helped change their life because they've lost 100 pounds and uh, they've gotten involved with the community, that community is not going anywhere because of infighting at Reebok. You know, that's that's still going to be there. So um, I think it, it was good for us to address it because there is a little bit of this kind of nervousness about how things are going to go. But it, it'll be, I think it's going to be amazing. We'll be able to track how this plays out over time, over the next calendar year. And as, as the regionals time for regionals comes around next time uh in, in a year what are we going to be doing talking about what's going to be happening how is it leveling out and just another thing to try to track inside the the crossfit community so we make the turn now to our outside the box where we're talking about yeah put a round of applause there my falsetto is just only getting better and better as the yes. uh, as a, i think it's my confidence you know uh we can talk about young glassman just too confident guy that's right we can talk about that in other episodes this topic, though, has got me a little uh, bamfoozled, uh, to use a very colloquial yeah, <laughs> word, bamfoozled. So, uh, I don't get to use that enough. We can put that in the Google machine. Boom! <laughs> Taking it back to the last episode. Uh, we are talking about the top five animated movies, as I understand it from previous communication, of all time. All the way back to Mickey Mouse. Of all time. Mm. It's Fantasia. All the way back to Fantasia. Oh, true. That's true. Fantasia. Speaking of groundbreaking, speaking of going pro, speaking of revolutionizing the industry, we're putting it all together here. Walt Disney. Walt freaking Disney. Talk about a pro. Yeah, talk about a pro. (laughs) Turning pro and drawing. Highly misunderstood guy, right? Uh, Yeah, something like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, what's the name of that movie? Uh, Mr. Banks. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty good movie. Pretty good movie. Not doing that podcast now, though. We're talking about animated (laughs) movies. Talk about animated movies in our top five. So here's something we need to address for our discerning audience. You've only got five spots, and Toy Story has three movies. So how are we going to creatively dodge just having our top five and ranking Toy Stories and then putting two other movies in there? I've got an answer. The question is, Chase, do you have an answer? Uh, As resident person that goes first every time, uh, no, I just did it. Uh... Toy Story is there three times. <laughs> I don't know how you avoid it with, uh, without being dishonest. That's just my two cents. Uh, I think I'm going to shake it up this episode. I'm just going to rattle off my top five. Is I that think fair? that's the best way to do it because if not, we're so just going to fight about Toy Story for the next 25 minutes. Exactly. I think yeah. when we have top three, we can do the little roundtable thing. But when it's five, you just got to ban You got to go, man. You got to yeah. throw them out there. <laughs> yeah. So I am going to still start with number five, not shaking it up that much. My number five... And I, I, you may not agree with me, but I think you'll still appreciate it. Finding Nemo. Finding Nemo was a Great movie. fantastic Absolutely. movie. Uh, I don't know if you would call it groundbreaking or anything. I do know that animated water physics that Pixar put out were groundbreaking. Maybe that's yeah, my nerd, nerd for star the for Chase. <laughs> the, the, water, the water physics were groundbreaking. Yeah. Definitely. Thank you very much. Man, I just here's what I love about these episodes. I get so many phrases that I can use for the rest of the week. <laughs> just drop that into some conversation. You know what's been on my mind lately? Animated water physics. <laughs> Man, me too. <laughs> I will say this though, when you when you take uh, animated movies and you put Ellen DeGeneres in there. I mean, how do you not win? How do you not win with that combo? Exactly. Okay, so that's your number five. Yes, my number four. 
Speaking of animated water physics, <laughs> Monsters, Inc. <laughs> no idea what the correlation is. Other but than, it's in there somewhere. It's in there somewhere. Yep. <laughs> Put it in the Google machine. Something, something <laughs> uh, Monsters, Inc. Uh, incredible movie. Um, Mike Wazowski is probably one of my favorite Pixar characters. Bar none, just about. He's at least top three. He's so funny. I can totally see that. Thank you very much. Yeah, I listen. I'm not gonna sleep on the guy. He, wait. Um, I'm not gonna sleep. Yeah, he's very funny. All right, number three. Here's where it starts. Toy Story two. I think it's the lesser of the three, but it's still a hundred percent Rotten Tomatoes. I'll go with you on that. Yeah. yeah, it's still it's a freaking incredible movie. Well, so they good. got credit for like, oh my gosh, they did it again. Like that's, right, yeah, yeah. They made they made it interesting another go round, which is a feat within itself. It's usually the the second of the trilogy is usually the worst, which it still sticks with the case, but it's not a bad movie. Yeah, very good. Totally understand. Number two, and I think this is kind of understood. Toy Story three. Uh, it's impressive to come back after eleven years and hit a home run, but they did it. Such a great movie, and then obviously number one, Toy Story one. Because speaking of groundbreaking water physics, Toy Story one had it all. Man, who knew that it was it, like a the, a water park of groundbreaking water physics. Thank it's you like, very much. It's like the in, rapids of Pixar. Big rides at every turn. Yeah, <laughs> core dogs on the house. <laughs> all right, so my top five. Toy Story had to show up three times. Who would have thought that it would be all three top spots? Uh, I'm not knocking. I think it's respectable. Look, yeah, we just sure. have to call it sure. out. So uh, a way to not have Toy Story on three is to not have seen the Toy Stories, all of them. I've never even seen the third one. Seen the oh, second one fantastic. once, maybe. So You could cut the tension with a knife. In the <laughs> <laughs> so my animated movies all go back to my childhood. I don't have kids, so I, I haven't gotten back into animated movies. I kind of quit watching them, I guess, after I was 10 or so. So, you know, the Toy Story 2, Toy Story 3, Shreks, all that type of stuff came out after I quit watching them. So, none of those are going to make my list. I haven't seen a whole lot of the newer ones. I'm sure they're really good. When I have kids, I'll probably watch them with the kids. But for now, I'm sticking with what I watched when I was a kid. Um, for me, number five was The Jungle Book. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was a great one. Uh, when I, you know, I don't know if you guys were like me, but when I was a kid, I would watch the same movie over and over and over oh, again. Yeah. So I've oh, seen yeah. all these still movies. I've seen all these movies probably at least twenty or thirty times. And the Jungle Book, I can still remember Baloo uh, like scratching his back up on a tree. <laughs> <laughs> and, hey, and, can we all admit the monkeys were a little scary? Yeah, they were. Oh, yeah. There were some scary parts in some of these movies, yeah. man. I'm telling you. Uh, and I think based on what Hunter's talking about, you have to be reading books while you're watching movies, and that's very impressive. <laughs> like, I've seen this movie at least 30, 45 times. Yeah, I don't know where you're getting the time. Where do you find all this time? He's like, I think he's, here's what Hunter Owen is doing. He's reading a book to try to better himself. He's using a lacrosse ball to roll out uh, his feet while he's watching an animated movie from his childhood. I don't watch movies and read at the same time, but I will watch sporting events and read. Yeah, we talked, but you know, I'd actually, I'm mocking you right now, but I borrowed that strategy you have where it's like, if I'm watching sporting events, I can use this time to do something. There's so many down, especially in a football game, there's so much downtime, like commercial break, TV timeout, uh, all this type of stuff. I'm like, man, that's five minutes every single time. Like if you really break down the actual time in a three hour game that they're spent, there's action. It's like less than an hour. And so yeah. I'm like, I don't want to spend three hours watching this game that 
I mean, if it's a game I really care about, I'll watch it. But if it, otherwise, I'll just kind of half watch it. Half, and I also roll my my, my foot out with a crossbar. <laughs> I do that too. That's why I'm making like, fun yeah. of you. I mean, multitasking. I, I, I that's what we're dangerously okay. close to starting another episode right now. Yeah, <laughs> that's how great so, episodes are born. <laughs> so, anyways, Jungle Book number five. Uh, yeah, and the bare necessities. I mean, I can still sing that song to you. So. Uh, my boy, right, here, right here, right here. <laughs> number number four. Speaking of of scary, um, hundred and one Dalmatians. Uh, Cruella Deville. Oh, uh, that, that was a great movie, but there are some really scary parts in that movie, especially when you're a kid. Uh, she's a scary, scary uh, person. She's up in that mansion, and like it's dark and. It's Her just skin is just yeah yeah, yeah like and she wants to t- and she wants to turn the dogs into a coat like that's yeah. talk about creepy especially when you're like your eight year old kid you're like <laughs> that's dark I don't, I don't want my dog to get turned into a <laughs> that's coat some, that's some Breaking Bad yeah, stuff right yeah, there is, what's interesting is. is if you've seen that movie as a child for the rest of your life if somebody's you know cranky or in a bad mood or even you're like easy Cruella yeah I mean yeah. it's like. And that I can still remember those cigarettes she, she smoked with the like the extension yeah, thing yeah. that she held, you know. And my my grandmother actually owned a tobacco shop, and they had those in there. And every time I saw it, I would always like think of Corella Deville smoking those cigarettes with that long cigarette extension. Could you sing a little from One Hundred and One Dalmatians? I can't remember any songs. Were there songs in that? I one? think it was just a score. Yeah, Cruella I think they were. Corella oh, Deville. Oh yeah, that's, that's right. right. Yeah, yeah. Come on. Uh, uh, yeah, foreshadowing so, to my top five there. Yeah, okay. and I actually looked. This, that came out in like the sixties, like sixty two, sixty three. So that's 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 pretty. And really? I think Jungle Book was around that time too. Um, number three, Toy Story. Toy Story. We, you already talked about it. Groundbreaking. Um, great movie. I, I've seen that one probably at least ten times. So uh, Woody uh, and Buzz, the two two classic characters, mm-hmm. um, just completely changed the landscape of animated movies. So Toy Story number three. Number two was The Lion King. Yeah. Uh, love The Lion King. Love the message of the movie. Um, so when I was a kid, my mom had cassette tapes of all the Disney movie songs that she would play when we drove around. So like I knew all the words to all the songs, like Beauty and the Beast, Lion King, um, Aladdin, Little Mermaid. I know all the words. Aladdin. Yeah. Man. So Lion King was my number two. Um, it, and that, I mean, there's some scary parts in that movie. Oh, yeah. uh, Mufasa dies, and uh, what's the what's his dude? Um, what's his what's his what, <laughs> <laughs> what's his uncle's name? Uh, uh, Scar? Scar. Scar. Yeah, yeah. The hyena part was a little frightening. The hyena part was really scary. Yeah. Um, but it, it's really cool. It's interesting. Like he he goes and it's like Hakuna Matata. Like you just hang out here and chill for the rest of your life. You don't have any worries. But he's like, no, I have. Uh, I have a, a duty that I have to, to get to. I have a, a calling. I have a destiny. Talk about turning pro. He had to turn pro. That's right. All right, here's a new podcast I did. Hunter breaks down old kids' movies and says the moral arc of the whole deal. Uh, I would listen daily. But, but here's the thing. There is actually there is a YouTube video series of Jordan Peterson breaking, Doing that? breaking, down, oh, the, breaking down the line. Hunter can do it better. I need to watch that. Jordan Peterson is so good. Here's the thing about these Disney movies. That's one of the things that's so great about them is there's there's like really deep um, life lessons for people in there, and they put so many uh, things in there for the adults to watch. They they're they're movies for kids, but they put in adult themes in there, and you can learn a lot from these movies. And so I I think he talks about those in in his book a lot too, Chris. Anyways, so Lion King number two. Number one is Aladdin. I loved Aladdin. I loved the genie. It was one of my original favorite characters. He was just, he was funny. He was quick-witted. 
Um, I just love the genie. Robin Williams did such a good job voicing the genie. And I really liked it because it was different than other things I'd seen before. You know, it's in it's in Arabia, you know, it's got the lamp, it's got the carpet, um, it's in the desert, and it's just so different than um, anything else that you that you saw on TV at the time as a kid. You didn't see a whole lot of stuff about the, the Middle East and all that type of stuff. Um, so I loved Aladdin. Um, great movie, great songs, you know, great message, and uh, just, just a really, really cool movie. And then Robin Williams, I mean, he, he knocked it out of the park with the genie, and he's the genie's still one of my favorite characters. I love a good character that that's just quick-witted and smart and says funny things and uh he nailed all those so uh number one was aladdin that's a solid list man um you guys familiar with the controversy surrounding the movie aladdin which one where several i believe yeah so the cover the guy gets fired for putting on the cover and then it says children take off your clothes in the uh, in the middle like yeah, this is crazy. Disney did have some creepy stuff going on. Yeah, like I mean, it's a, the, the, like from what I understood, like, there's a they had a lot of like animators that just were basically trying to see what they could get away with back yeah, then. It yeah, was yeah, like, yeah. It's like this unspoken contest or something that they had. Yeah, <laughs> it was the Wild Wild West back in the yeah. 80s, in the ni- <laughs> early nineties, man. Yeah, yeah. There, there was no political correctness at all. No. <laughs> no, so anyway, yeah, but I, I agree. Great movie. So we'll start with my number five, Wreck It Ralph. I'm kidding. I'm just kidding. I it wouldn't was, have been mad. It was it was good, but I wouldn't put it in the top five. I mean, just for the sake that it was different. But I'm I'll roll through my list. I had uh, 101 Dalmatians was on mine as well because I mean it's a classic. You can't argue with that. Um, all, for all the stuff, I can still go back and watch that. And my kids are a little bit older, but they'll sit down if that's on. They'll sit down and watch it. I struggled not putting this in the five slot, and I think it moved up to number four just because I enjoyed it so much. But I'm on the fence about if it falls in with the same level as these other movies we're talking about. I thought the Lego movie was awesome. Very Lego good. movie was good. I mean, it was hilarious. And I know it had an industry kind of building it up already, and they had Spinjitzu and all this stuff. But, man, Lego movie was just uh, was great for me. I think if you don't put Lion King somewhere in the top three, um, I don't know. You just you can't ignore that. Here's the one that I think is going to be controversial for me for number two. Um, because I think it includes all the elements that we would say an animated movie has to have to be in your top five list, but it was so different and slightly strange. Um, Inside Out. I thought that Inside Out was really, really good. I still haven't seen it. It's Um, very good. Yeah, it's it's kind of troubling, but and Hunter, like you talk about, it's got these big life lessons in it, Mm -hmm. Uh, but just the stuff that they were able to do with the animation... Wow, really, really impressive. Really, really heavy duty water physics in that movie. So many water, just all those <laughs> memories having to travel through those water physics and get into the, you know, the cylinders of physics. We could, right. we could do this all day, yeah. Uh, so I think Inside Out, I mean, you know, if you were to pin me down and put a gun to my head and say, is that really your number two? And I don't know. I'm just trying to give it a lot of respect here because it's, uh, it's like the warrior of animated movies. So if Caleb were here, he'd probably say He'd probably appreciate that, yeah. Yeah. I think you have to, you have to put Toy Story, the first Toy Story, at one. I just, I think you have to. It's just almost, almost unavoidable. No knock to Aladdin, but, I mean, I feel like we've talked about this a lot, but holy cow, what Toy Story 1 did. And I think, when I'm in the nursing home, drooling on, uh, myself, if somebody put in Toy Story, I'd start seeing you got a friend to me, mm. you know, after Alzheimer's has well set in. Yep. So that's usually my measure for a good movie. <laughs> Whether it overcomes the Alzheimer's or not. <laughs> <laughs> All right, top five. We're going to, Down Periscope was not animated. It was not, no. <laughs> <laughs> 
So, um, I mean, uh, I mean, I think I think I'll go ahead and give you my number one. It's Toy Story for all the reasons that we've yeah. that we've already mentioned. That's so right. there's no reason to you know stay on that. I had a uh, Lion King at my number five, a little lower in the in the list than uh, than most everybody else. It was the uh, it was the first movie that I remember going to see in the theaters. Mm. I remember going to see it over at uh, Deville Plaza, right over there off of I fifty five, and um, you know, awesome movie. Um, my number uh, my number four, I put Shrek two. Shrek two. Oh, yeah, the that's the one with the Godmother, right? Yes. Yeah, and um, I thought I, I never saw the third one, but I thought it was a lot better than uh, uh, than the first one actually. Two. Yeah, two is my wow. favorite out of the out of those two. I just I loved it. I just love the whole concept of having all of the uh, the characters from all the stories that you grow up that's hearing. Fair. And, yeah, yeah, having them all in the same universe that was really cool. They my, were Marvel before Marvel. Bingo. Yeah. What's crazy <laughs> is all the water physics they had to go through to get it's, into that thank movie. Thank you. I've been saying that You're for welcome. years. Yeah. yeah. So, um, and uh, so number uh, my number three and my number two, I'm really proud of on this list. Uh, num- my number three is uh, Batman Mask of the Phantasm. <laughs> Here, that, that, that sounds it, like a really bad album. <laughs> that's the most crisp answer yeah, I've ever heard. It, yeah, it came out back when they were doing... Um, Batman the animated series on uh, on TV oh, and it was that's a great show. it was really cool because like it wasn't it wasn't your typical cartoon like after a while you almost forget that you're watching a cartoon it was yeah. very dark it's on the like, WB yeah like e- like even uh, even as a kid it was uh, it was I remember it being very dark and borderline terrifying if you've uh, if you've never if you've never seen it I mean you would enjoy it as an adult watching no doubt it. about yeah. it yeah and uh, and so, so that leaves uh, that leaves my number two, and I verified with everybody so that this is indeed an animated movie. Is Team America: World Police? It, it came out when I was in high school. Is that the the done, stop motion looking? Done, done, no, done completely with puppets. Yeah, the with creators, the, it's like the, the blonde chick and stuff like that. Yeah, 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 the, yeah the creators yeah. of uh, South Park made it. I was never allowed to watch that. Still, still <laughs> only Fight Club. <laughs> yeah, only Fight Club. <laughs> it is. Uh, it is still to this day the. The hardest that I've ever laughed in my life was was the uh, the opening uh, the opening fight scene mm. <laughs> when they're when they're uh, when they're in Paris and uh, so probably you know Toy Story being in a class by itself right. you you know interchangeable Team America and Toy and Toy Story. <laughs> you know I think we're proving every episode that we're just well rounded individuals. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. The stuff we know about wow. Yeah. Yeah. Water physics. <laughs> I was waiting on somebody to say it. All right, so we get to our uh, part of the episode where we have some recommends going down. I actually have a, a recommend. Uh, I don't think I've recommended this yet. If it, if we do, then Chase I'll let I'd you know. Have to edit it out. I recommend that you keep up with your recommends. Man. Wow, <laughs> I will accept that recommendation. <laughs> All right, Hunter, you got something? Yeah, I do. Uh, Chris actually talked on it earlier. Uh, finished the book Twelve Rules for Life by Jordan Peterson. Man, that's just a great book. Everybody needs to read it. Totally agree. Uh, whether you agree with them or not, it's going to challenge your thinking in, in ways that you probably haven't been challenged before. And he just challenges the modern um, or postmodern, yeah. uh, what do you call it, uh, millennial attitude towards political correctness. and the, 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 the victim mentality. Yeah, victim mentality, all that type of stuff that that is so prevalent in social media today and 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 not only does he challenge it but he gives very good reasons of why it's so wrong and how it affects society in such a negative way and it, you go through it and he gives you a rule and then he just you know talks about uh, you know all kinds of different reasons why 
that you know that rule is important and he he talks about you know philosophy and he's just a modern day philosopher and I, I really highly recommend you know if you have not checked out that book you you need to read it it's it I started reading it and I just could not stop I just couldn't put it down it was just so good and he had he had so many good things to say so 12 rules for life Jordan Peterson go check it out I agree with that he just writes it in a way where you're so challenged in your line of thinking but he's so intelligent you can't just write him off so yeah. you have to get in there and kind of box around with his ideas for a little bit but I'm an active reader. I read with a highlighter and I look back over the first couple of chapters. I'm like, oh my gosh, settle down, man. Yeah. I mean, like if it's all good, just earmark the page or something and go back to it. But uh, when he starts talking about children. That's what got me. Uh, his rule about not letting your children do anything that would make you dislike them. Yeah, yeah, that was really Whoa. good. Talk about challenging the postmodern mindset. Mm-hmm. So, um, were you about to say something, Chris? Uh, you're just agreeing yeah, with me. I, I'm agreeing. I do have a recommend though. Oh, go for it. That's what I'm saying. Uh, just uh, I just finished uh, Narcos. Finished uh, finished all three seasons. One of the best shows I've seen in a uh, in a long time. I've tried yeah. I've tried starting several shows and haven't been able to get very far. But Narcos Narcos pulled me in within the first 15 minutes of the first episode. And that the first read it all the, the way first through. scene of the first episode. Yeah. The shootout and the uh, the yep. club or whatever. You're like, all right, I'm in. Yep. <laughs> I will watch this. It's crazy. The level of violence those guys would go to, to oh yeah protect their empire it's and and, and and you're not you're not talking about like a you know like a, a barbaric time this is like you know 30 years ago right 20 years ago 20 years, years ago, ago. Yeah. 80s. 80s and 90s yeah, yeah. 80s yeah so wow, this passes the test that hunter puts out there that you don't start a show that you don't know is good start to That's finish right. Yeah. The Narcos would be that, that mm. kind of show. Oh yeah, well, definitely. I mean, and it just it just kind of helps you, it, or and it, it also just confirms probably a lot of the thoughts you have about how how corrupt money can make even the most yeah. powerful people. Yeah. Mm. Plus, it came out. It, it spawned some pretty awesome memes of Pablo just sitting on a bench by himself, <laughs> <laughs> or standing like looking yeah. off in the distance by himself. I'll, uh, I'll say I'll say this to anybody who's thinking about a uh, thing about watching it. Like, if you don't know a ton about Pablo Escobar, I mean, obviously you probably know who he is. But if you did not, uh, if you've never really like investigated him or watched any kind of documentary, don't do any of that until you've watched it all the way yeah. through. It makes the show that much better. I agree. Yeah, yeah. don't go read about it on Wikipedia until yeah. you finish the, the show. The second I finished the the Pablo Dude, saga yeah. of it, mm-hmm. immediately was on Google. That's what the I Google did machine. too. I, was like, I, wa- I watched like, interviews with his son, with the uh, with the DEA detectives. Yeah. Oh man, that was great. I have a recommend. Go for it. So, season two of Ozark just released yeah. uh, August 31st. That's so my next uh, next project. <laughs> my recommend is go watch season one just to kind of test out if you'd actually like the show. Hmm. Spoiler alert, you will. Because it's <laughs> got Jason Bateman. Yeah, I know. It's got it's bold strategy, Cotton. <laughs> it in. Jason Bateman's Boom. in the show, which, you know, is typically a comedian guy, right? Yeah. And he is so freaking good he in this show he, he still is. gets to do some of his quick wit stuff but it works so well with his character mm. it's so good I'm a, have you finished season 2 yet? not yet I'm, I've seen I think maybe 3 episodes so mm. far and season 1 it was the same I started and I was like boom over in like a couple of days and yep. it, yeah it's a great show it, it really is really good mm-hmm. so this week we have uh, we have a show two shows in a book yeah two shows in a book that ought to keep our listeners occupied I for thought a week you had one yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna hold it close to the vest. I'm oh come on! Out. Yeah, next episode we record. I think I've talked about it already. Uh, the road back to you. We've talked about this already, haven't we? The Enneagram. 
Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. we yeah. talked about that. Yeah. Uh, well, there's there's another book called The The Path Between Us that's kind of a spinoff of the co-author stuff. It's very, very good. It's like the Better Call Saul of the whole Enneagram thing. Yes, yeah, great like, parallel. Thank you. You're Is taking it like a The deep... Space Between by Dave Matthews? Yeah. yeah. You're taking a deep dive into the Enneagram, aren't you? Dude. I'm telling you, I, I can't recommend it enough. It's one of those things my, my friends lately are like, I got it. Yeah. <laughs> I got it. You, you're a number. I'm a number. We're all a number. Fantastic. Yeah. I downloaded the podcast uh, or subscribed to that podcast that you, the Enneagram podcast that you Yeah, Typology. Yeah. And uh, Meredith actually sent me a link to the test, so I'm going to do the test. Um, you don't know what number you are, you are yet? I haven't done wow. this either. I want to wow. It's worth checking out. Yeah. Right? I'll, I'll send you the link. Yeah, I know. We've, I've talked about typology and the road back to you. I just, uh, you know, taking the... De- there are very few things, honestly, that fascinate me enough to stay in thinking about them quite this long. Yeah. Uh, so I, I feel like if it's been beneficial uh, for a guy like me, one of these pieces of this train of thinking is going to connect to people who are listening to our podcast. So uh, this this... Uh, the Path Between Us is a book all really all about the numbers being in relationship with each other, which is very helpful for your work dynamic, home dynamic. So it's a, it's kind of a second layer of thinking about it. So I would recommend it. But but if you haven't checked out The Road Back to You first, don't jump into this one because it'll, it'll be very confusing. So that, that would be my recommend. I got so, one more minor recommend. Uh, Browns got their first W last night. Hey. Full year, right? I heard the, I heard the call, the play call. Lining like up six or something. <laughs> yes, but yeah. uh, they were down 14 nothing. Quarterback goes out. Baker Mayfield comes in, and he's just slinging that football around everywhere. And he, he takes him down, and he wins. And, man, I just I like watching that guy play. He's fun to watch. So go watch the Browns and Baker. Who would have thought you'd say go watch the Browns? But watch the Browns and Baker. I'm excited to see how the rest of the season plays out for them because – Man, he's a talented guy. He's fun to watch. So our last recommend, since we're piling on recommends, is uh, contacting Hunter and saying, hey, let's throw the rock a little bit. Let's play a little football together. Maybe have a meal. Anybody who's listening, would you be ready to have, have yeah, a meal? Yeah, I need to work my wing a little bit. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's, let's throw it around. Work yeah. on my wing a little yeah. bit. There's another phrase I could use all week. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, not having hadn't gotten around to those water physics. Uh, yeah, it's got my wing all tired. Yeah, I'm hitting the Google machine though to figure out how to loosen it up. Right. It sounds like euphemisms, honestly. <laughs> being honest, I turn everything into a euphemism. Brief fact. All right, so we've got to come to the end of another episode. We always want to encourage you if you've heard something valuable, which we all know that you have. Take that time to like, rate, share. I hope so. <laughs> Out of an hour and a half worth of content, something hit the target, right? <laughs> Uh, so do us a favor, get the word out there to make sure that people who need to hear it have the chance to hear it. And specifically this week, what we'd love for you to do is sit one of those stars, preferably five, or if they had eight, you could do that, whatever the highest level is on iTunes so that we can run on up the pole there and people can see us as they search for fitness podcast until next week. We will see you next week.